Rhonda, what's the name you call those things? Where did they come from? Huh? I don't know. You're a scientist, aren't you? Yeah, aren't you supposed to have a theory or something? Look, these creatures are absolutely unprecedented. Yeah, but where do they come from? Welcome to episode 19 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. This week we travel back to 1990 for the comedy slash monster movie Tremors, starring Kevin Bacon, Fred Ward, Finn Carter, Michael Gross, and Reba McIntyre. So let's mix up some household chemicals in the proper proportions, go pole vaulting between boulders, and celebrate that this podcast is now one degree from Kevin Bacon. Our guest this week... (laughs) Who brought us this film is Reem Nadim, a journalist who I'm told also has other connections to this podcast. Reem, is there some higher force at work here? I mean, are we asking too much of life? I don't know about a higher force, but there's definitely a lower force. That is true. Uh, Reem, uh, I, do we want to tell everyone how else you're connected to this podcast? Yes, I am married to your co-host, who is in the next room. It's good. I think this that is- guy. I, yeah, there you go. Everything's good. <laughs> It's all all's well. Uh, Reem, as the uh, purveyor of uh, tremors to us, uh, why did you think you liked this movie? What was your and what was your first um, interaction with it? What, what do you remember about the first time that you saw it? So this movie is actually uh, humble brag older than I am. So I remember seeing this like on TV. I didn't go see it in theaters or anything when it came out. Um, This was like definitely something that I just stumbled onto. And um, I remember what I have such a soft spot for Tremors. But what I love about it is that it's like horror movie in the desert in the summer during daylight. Um, And I have a special soft spot for it. I'm very biased because my parents are geologists and I grew up in the desert. So this was the first horror movie that I felt like, oh, I recognize this environment like I know why you're you're wearing those shoes and why you're not walking around in flip-flops. Like that was the first horror movie where it was like, I could actually picture myself in this situation um, because I grew up in that environment. And unlike, you know, The Shining where there's like snow or, you know, Cabin in the Woods or it's like, I can't relate to that. You know, I still love it and love to watch it. But Tremors is the first one that was like, I guess other than Jaws, but Jaws was like a special trip to the beach. Um, and Tremors was the first one that was like, oh, this is this is a desert horror movie. This is something special. Did, you, did your mom and dad have a lot of graboids going after him? <laughs> yeah, right. That was that was my mom's job was, uh, what, what, what is she doing? The seismographs of the graboids? Yes. Seismology. Or se- yes. Yeah, seismographs. <laughs> I think that's right. Um, I'm not an expert. So, uh, Will, uh, well, first of all, Reem, thanks for being the second person to make us feel extremely old on this podcast. <laughs> uh, Will, uh, what, what was, had you seen this movie? What was your experience with it? So my dad wanted to bring me to this movie and I saw the poster. I would have been about seven because this came out in 1990 and I'm born in 83. And so I saw the poster. I was like, nope, it's too scary. And I was like, bring, bring me to a Disney movie. I was, just, <laughs> I was like too young. Um, I, I caught it later on, I think TNT or, or, or one, of the, one of the cable channels and immediately fell in love with it and then immediately regretted not seeing it. Yeah, well, uh, interesting note about the movie poster uh, before we get into anything else is that the producers wanted there to be no sign of the monster on the movie poster. They wanted it to be 
ambiguous. You don't really know what you're going in for, you know, in a time of pre-internet and, and, you know, spoilers can actually be spoilers and everything. Uh, the whole idea that they, they wanted, and there were other things in terms of, of the cuts of the film where they wanted to not actually show the monsters in some of the early scenes where we see them instead of that sort of slow reveal. Like they didn't even, even when like the construction workers died, they didn't want, they didn't want to mm-hmm. show the monsters. So that so it's more mysterious later into the film, uh, which was interesting because it struck me I, before I learned that, how they sort of revealed in pieces, which is different than, than a lot of monster movies. Uh, I think worked, but like, it's interesting that that's not what they wanted in terms of the, the original direction of everything. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very Jaws kind of thing. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say in Jaws too, they try to hide the shark and you only really get like, what is it, one good shot of it. Um, and yeah, it's very artistically kind of hidden. And I think that that's, I mean, I think a lot of the comedy was lost on me when I was younger, for sure. but. Um, I definitely liked that. I mean, if they do too much with the monsters, like it would just look silly. It's 1990. They can't have, you know, that amazing graphics or, or effects or whatever. And it's, and they're so, and when we were rewatching this for the podcast, it was so like, we kept noting how smartly they show that the monster is moving. Like the chase scene where Kevin Bacon and what's his name? I called him Kevin Ward, but that's not his name. Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, when they're like being chased by one of the monsters and you see like the fence posts falling down. And that was a really clever way to like show the monster chasing them. And it's like a edge of your seat chasing, but you don't see the monster. And it's, um, and so it's yeah, like they're a, definitely a good, smart about it. It's like a good low budget way of doing it, right? You like, yeah. it's, it's suspenseful legitimately, but all they're doing mm-hmm. is just like pulling down fence posts. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's a, yeah, yeah exactly. and I, that stuck out to me as like just well, good, good filmmaking techniques, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, and honestly, I think this trumps Jaws because Jaws, you know, it's a shark. Like it's on the fucking poster. This, you don't know what it is. So right. having this like constant cavalcade of, of strange things happening underground and yet you're, you're peeling up dead guys' faces or dead faces are revealed. You don't know what it is. It's, well, that, it's, it's, it's more interesting. And we get it in pieces, right? I mean, like you see what the 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 like neck that like bites onto like the truck, and you're like, oh, that's the, the monster, oh, the and then you're like, oh yeah. no, that's one little part of the monster. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, like they, yeah. Like they do a good job of like, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Uh, so all right, uh, before we completely confuse anyone who hasn't seen this movie or hasn't seen it in a long time, <laughs> uh, as our guest, it is your job to provide us with a quick plot summary. Uh, anywhere from a log line to a paragraph. Don't don't give us every last detail, but what happened in this movie? I believe in you, Ray. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, real quick. So it happens out in the rural desert in Nevada in a town called Perfection, which I absolutely love. Um, super rural. Uh, people are mostly living in trailers. Uh, not a lot of people. It's like population 14. Um, and something is happening uh, with the ground shaking, hence the name Tremors, and there is a geology student out there who is recording this stuff and just kind of keeping track of it and doing tests. Um, So they have that equipment out there, and the film centers around, it really covers the whole town, but it centers around uh, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, not Kevin Bacon, Kevin Ward or whatever I called him before, (laughs) that cracked Will up. Um, The film centers around them. They're two kind of blue collar guys who just do odd jobs around the town who are kind of sick of their life there. Oh, God damn it. I ask you, 
Here's a job for intelligent men. Well, show me one. I'll ask him. And uh, there is something under the ground and something weird is happening in this town that is very isolated and very cut off from everybody. Yeah, and the townsfolk have to figure it out and then save themselves. And survive and, and yeah, get help. Mm-hmm. Will, any, uh, anything else that you think is worth filling in? Careful. <laughs> I know, I'm trying, I'm, trying to not, I'm trying to not be a spoilies. It's geology, it's Kevin Bacon, it's cool we're, monsters. We're, we're a spoiler. There's a podcast. lot to love in this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I just find it very refreshing, I guess, now that we're in 2021, that it's, it is um, a bunch of guys who are like, you, you would not think anything of the characters. Yeah. Earl Bassett and Val, whatever his last name is, they, they take out trash and they're garbage people, like literally garbage people. They just do odd jobs and stuff. Yeah, just do odd jobs. And they're the ones who save save the town. There's no there's no grand blue laser coming from the sky kind of Marvel shit with this. It's just a very focused monster movie. I'm gonna give you a suggestion for the shortest plot recap ever. You tell me you tell me how accurate this is. You ready? Go for it. Redneck Dune. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, no spoilers for Dune, please. It is literally sitting behind me on that shelf right there. It's my emergency book for when I'm too bored and eventually I'll get around to it and actually read it. But well, yeah, no spoilies. You, you should read it before the fall. I mean, you. I assume you know that there are sandworms. That's, that is kind of the, the, the big connection. <sighs> well, I wanted to ask, you mentioned that it takes place in Nevada. Was there a specific thing that, that said Nevada? Because like I, I, there were a couple of things that that, that were came up and I wasn't entirely sure. Was there oh, it's a, called a, Perfection Nevada. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the, and you see the license plates too on the cars are in Nevada. So, because the, the, uh, the like energy company that comes up to like, oh yeah, fix stuff is, mm-hmm. ca- it's like Cal Nev, like it's like <laughs> clearly supposed to be like yeah. somewhere on the California, Nevada, like, like the border. Some weird amalgamate. Right. Well, and and I guess we can just jump right into uh, like plot holes and continuity errors because there was one thing that I noticed that 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 I thought was really funny, which was the when the construction guys are out there, um, they have a one guy's holding a construction cone, like an orange construction cone, and on the top of the cone, like the letters is L A. Like, like clearly they brought it from LA. <laughs> like the, someone like when they collected all the props to go out to the desert to film this movie, which it was filmed in the California desert, like between so basically it's a very popular film location uh, between uh, the uh, Sequoia National Forest and Death Valley, just on the California side of the border, um, which I have the name here somewhere. Kind of waiting for Shatner and the Gordon to show up. Well, so two Star Trek movies, two Star Trek movies were filmed there. Like, I mean, that's it's it's a very glad part of Gladiator was filmed there. Uh, it, it's it, an extremely popular uh, film location. It's, it's called uh, Lone Pine, California, Al- the Alabama Hills, in, uh, just outside of Lone Pine, California. Um, but but yeah, the the LA cone I thought was hilarious. Uh, okay. But did you do you guys have any other like really yes. like plot holes, continuity errors? Got- Reem, start us off. <laughs> I've got a list. Um, I don't know that this is necessarily a plot hole so much as a question that is just never answered. Who that like annoying teenager, Melvin, the one who keeps like pretending he's being attacked. Who the fuck are his parents? Where are his parents? <laughs> it's never established. Like they nobody. 
they are Nobody part of the 14. Nobody cares about him. Right. They're part of the population. For, if you do the math, they're part oh. of the population 14, but we never see them. Right. Where are they? And he doesn't see like, it's never, you know, my dad's out of, in the city on business for the, you know, there's no, there's no kind of explanation as to why nobody's looking out for this very annoying kid. So yes. that's one thing. Um, and then another thing when the, when they find the first, I think it's the first victim up on the tele, the electrical poles and he's died and they bring him to the doctor and the doctor's like, Oh, he died of dehydration. How the fuck would a doctor just establish that without being able to do a proper autopsy? I mean, I genuinely don't know. Maybe that is a thing doctors can tell, but I don't know. I would imagine that you have to have a proper autopsy and examine stuff and rule out a whole bunch of other stuff before you could arrive at dehydration. But I don't know. The guy just looks at him in the back of their truck and is like, he died of dehydration. <laughs> How do you know? Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps desert doctors have like three, three diagnoses and that's one of them. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a small enough town that he also has to be like, they're detective. Oh, there's something that is, so there's a lot of like setups and payoffs in this. And well, I'm sure Will will go into oh, more detail, wait, but everything wait, wait, wait. that's this is this is plot holes. Yes, so there's one that's never paid off. Well, I don't know that it's a plot hole, but I guess it, it doesn't really make sense that they keep commenting on the smell of the, the creatures. Yeah. yeah, but it's never paid off. What and with a film that's like so tight and so neat and every single setup has a payoff. <laughs> why is that never paid off? Like why is that set up? I see her. I yeah. see her. She's like, "Who it, are you even, talking even to?" Even their dog is like, "You're not" um yeah well i mean they it's it's a tough gag to play too because it's it's not a audio or visual like to play like a smell gag in a movie where like the audience can't smell like like it's you know i think it's just a gag yeah i think so too i i don't know that it necessarily it's uh they mentioned it several times and and like you said there are so many other things that are set up to be paid off Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's just one one question i had but yeah, the biggest one is who are the teen's parents? Who's looking out for that kid? Will, what, what, uh, what did you have in this department? Uh, again, Melvin. He's, he's, he's the worst. And I wanted him <laughs> to get eaten so bad. No, he's just a stupid kid. No, nope, I wanted him to get eaten. <laughs> no, I wanted him to die. Melvin, one of these days somebody's going to kick your ass. Because <laughs> uh, and he has such, I guess if we're going to really talk about like how the, the screenplay kind of fails... Why does Melvin react so dramatically to Nestor dying? The but guy, we, we the, talk- the, the guy who, the guy who sits in the. In the I think just because he died, I don't know. I don't think it was like right. I have an emotional connection to this I, man. It's I, just it's like, like, I just watched a man die. Right, and they're all at that point. They're all up on the roofs. They don't know what's happening, and that that's. I think if we do the math, that's also the first death that he actually sees. Um, but, but it's it's such a tight fucking script and screenplay otherwise like why would you right. waste that 45 seconds on this goober that we don't care about getting killed i mean like the joke is there you know he sits on truck tire and then gets sucked down and then like who cares and he's like oh you gotta do something guys you gotta do something <laughs> like it's the weirdest transition and then everybody they pan across like fred ward uh it, it, like everyone's faces as though it's supposed to be a really significant moment well the i don't think that it's supposed it. to be a significant moment but in that scene what we're seeing is like every, like someone comes up against the monster everybody's up on the roofs nobody knows what to do and one of the one of 
their group comes up against the monsters and they're like, they're yelling instructions. They're like, get up on the roof or, you know, don't make any noise, don't move, don't, don't make any vibrations. And then they just kind of hope that that person survives. Like when they, um, when Reba, I'm just going to call her Reba and her husband are um, fighting with the monster, like, and before the gunshots start going off, this is one of my favorite scenes ever. But before the gunshots start going off, Kevin Bacon like thinks that they've died because he, um, the guy is like on the radio and he's like, Jesus Christ. And then it goes dead. And then he thinks that he's died and Kevin oh. Bacon like throws down the radio. But then we start hearing the gunshots and it's like, oh yeah. We killed it. You got that? We killed that mother humper. Come back. <laughs> uh, roger that, Bert. And uh, congratulations. Be advised, however, there are two more. Repeat, two more mother humpers. But it's like, they're just, they're trying to survive, right? And so I don't think yeah. it's necessarily an emotional thing. Yeah, well, so, I'm, ta- I'm taking the opposite point here too, because here's the thing. Every other death that happens with the monsters, we don't see. The characters don't see. They have not watched right. anybody die in front of them. That they, they have to watch their this very small town, this person they know very well. That's that's the one time that they see that. So like, yeah, there's going to be an emotional reaction. Yeah, we saw should, we saw Chang die, or Chang. Well, but they're emotional about that too. But but, but like, it's like this is. I, I, I get it. I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's like an issue. And and they're emotional about Chang, but also that's before they get up on the roof. So they don't have time to be emotional about Chang. They have to escape and figure out where they're going to go. And that's when the geologist girl falls through the window. That's when they climb up on the roof. So there's not... Her name know, is Rhonda. Rhonda. Sorry, Rhonda. I'm very sorry. There's not much time for them to like mourn Chang. Whereas with the other guy, they're all just stuck up on the roof just watching themselves be picked off one by one i just imagine the writer's room like or, or i guess there's not a writer but like the, like the screenplay is three guys <laughs> who wrote the screenplay sitting around one one night as they're as they're polishing it's up being like in in 1988 or 89 or whatever being like what is <laughs> what is the least sexy women's woman's name for like a white woman <laughs> and landing on rock <laughs> I, I actually wonder if they if they wrote that, uh, like the mom was supposed to die. I don't know. The I mean, mom? they couldn't have like they couldn't have like the kid die. Like you know what I mean? Like it's well, that, right. but, but that's somebody I mean. had to like, die. That yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like oh, we need like a dramatic thing to happen here. Well, he was the last one, right? He was the last character yes. to die. I think Nestor mm-hmm. actually is last yeah. one to die. And maybe they had originally wrote it as the the the, the mom of the daughter of Jurassic oh. Park daughter dies. And they just switched something out at the last minute because it was maybe too gross, too weird, too horrific. Yeah, I mean, he's the least consequential character probably, yes. right? Yes, none of the and, deaths are so, like, emotionally, you know. Right, and... You're and, not super tied to the death. He also prevents this this movie from picking off the two minorities in, in, yes. in, in the scope. <laughs> I at least having was, a white dude die and, and the Latin guy survive. I was searching for the... the Miguel! Say that. Yes, he survives. I was, And I was glad about that, too, because that when Chang goes, it's like, oh, God damn it, come on. All know, these when, white when, people when, and you're just picking off the minorities, but when, when, one when, of them when, survives. So when, Miguel, when Miguel went down to start the tractor, I was like, oh, yes. no. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, was so, I was so bummed out when Victor Wong was like, hey, take, take the Swiss cheese and also the bullets. <laughs> and then also my refrigerator is going to start and I'm going to die. That's the, Which, that, to be fair, is set up. Yeah, they do a good job yeah. with that. Um, uh, right, for, it's, for it's, pretty... it's, yeah, it's all payoff set up. 
payoffs for, for a pretty payoffs. tight movie they they still do get a lot of those you know the rock paper scissors thing is played in four times you know and 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 kept like kevin bacon loses and we've talked about repetition variation as like as like the original buster keaton form of comedy like 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 he loses you establish that he loses he loses again the repetition he wins, but not really because he gets the shitty gun. And, the, and then the other, his, <laughs> his buddy gets the good gun. And so he's like mm-hmm. lost again in a different way. And then he loses a final time, but it's like, no, I'm going to be the hero. Like elbows him and jumps off the roof. Right. Like, like that's, that is like as classic film comedy as exists. And it's, it's done really well. It like, goes through the whole film. Yeah, and also the there's a bit with the um who has the lighter and who has the cigarettes that they do. I haven't, oh, I will have to yeah. rewatch it and like write down who does what when but that's played through too they have a really good like chemistry between the two of them hey Rhonda, you ever heard of anything like this before oh sure Earl. everybody knows about them we just didn't tell you oh hell man no one ever saw anything like this yeah it, it goes from like uh val has a cigarette in the in the very beginning and i want to point out that actually earl looks like a tremor his his sleeping bag has all brown outside all red inside and then he falls out of the truck looking like he's been eaten by a tremor. After the stampede joke, they keep switching it. It's yeah, like, yeah it's, it's, cute. It's, it's it's just brilliant. Like that yeah. actually is that actually is a really I, I didn't think about that, but in terms of like like making him look like the monster in in, in the beginning, like is a is an interesting like it's just it's adorable. <laughs> they they do some good little preview things too, like when the doctor when the, when they're when they're loading up, it goes to the doctor and his wife, and he and his, the first thing he says after he's been lugging things around, he goes, "I'm dead," and I was like, "Oh boy, like, <laughs> yes, that's, that's a <laughs> that one." And the the there's is there when they're trying to leave town and they see that the road is blocked and they're like. Is there a higher force at work here? I'm like, no, no, it's a, it's lower, a force. lower force. <laughs> yeah. um, so I had one other thing, which just, it, this is kind of minor and maybe I just missed it uh, just in terms of, of sort of weird plot hole shit. But like one thing that I appreciate is the monsters never fall for the same trick twice, right? And it's, they when they go back to the well, it always fails. And so when they <laughs> kill the second to last one with, with the bomb and they try it again, the monster picks up the bomb and throws it back. <laughs> And it hits all the other bombs and they all have to duck for cover. But then immediately our two redneck heroes and our grad student are like 50 feet off the rocks in the desert. Like how the fuck did they, they didn't get blown off the rocks. Like they're just like suddenly way out in like no man's land and where there like can't be. I I just, it didn't make any sense to me. I guess yeah, they just know, gunned it. Ran. They saw the bomb coming and they just ran. I don't know I why they wouldn't just hide behind the rocks like everybody else. But <laughs> it seemed like they the did. I, I don't know. He's got to happen. Yeah. 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 That was the only other thing I noticed. Did you I, just to clean up that section? Were, were there any other any other like weird like things that just didn't didn't uh, finish a thread on something? No, I think that that's all of the ones I noticed. But the the teenagers' parents really bothered me. That was the thing that I was like. And I made Will like go back and, and like listen to dialogue at the beginning and like, is it ever established like who he's with? Um, but that was it.
Well, that uh, that kind of leads us into uh, into the the characters. Uh, which which of these characters maybe improved now that you've watched this again in 20, 2021? Uh, any character maybe not hold up as well this time around? Ah, oh, I have so much to say. Um, I think that uh, Fred Ward. I liked him a lot more this time around. Um, I don't remember him making much of an impression in the first time that I watched this, but um, this time I, I liked him when he's like when Kevin Bacon's like he wants his his he wants the grad student to have like blonde hair and green eyes and whatever his stupid list is and he's like you're an idiot uh and you should just go for it and i like that about him um i do think that some of kevin bacon's jokes and his like list of stuff that he wants in a woman are like well i guess actually no fred ward is actually the one who makes some of these jokes but like there's a little casual misogyny in some of the ways that they talk about like and I guess that's just like par for the course with the 90s. But yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> it's very much like that there's smart girls and then there's pretty girls. Right. And it plays into that whole sexist like, so, oh, I broke a nail. So, you know, I can't possibly like survive a horror movie or whatever that implication is of like feminine stuff is bad and makes you stupid. Um, but I think that that's like very kind of still a thing today that you might see. So um, it wasn't, it didn't like ruin the movie for me, but it was definitely something that I picked up on this watch. Will, uh, characters ups, downs on the rewatch? Well, who can't love Bird Gummer? <laughs> Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? Crazy survivalist. I, I have some funny stuff on him in a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, uh, <clears throat> who would think that the, the dad of family ties would bring us well, I'll, I'll get. I'll give you, to where we are. I'll give you one one nugget. I'm saving the rest of it for later, but I'll give you one nugget, which is that uh, that four by four that they have was his actual car. That's his car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they used it for I the movie. That. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did not know that. No, I lo- I love all the characters. I really do. I mean, I, I just I wanted Melvin to get eaten. Like that's that's as far as I got. <laughs> I, I, I am incredibly disappointed that uh, Melvin didn't get eaten because he's such a piece of shit. He shuts the door on Rhonda. That's well, no, he's not. She's not. He's not. He just doesn't play the hero. Which, to be fair, I would also not play the hero in that situation. I'm going to close the door. I, there's nothing I Reem, can do here. Reem, you're currently <laughs> a Melvin apologist. I, I, I'm being a Melvin I, apologist. I yes. do want to know, living in a, po- a town of 14 people in the middle of nowhere, where Melvin gets his weed. Because that kid is stoned <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe that- he just grows it like... <laughs> yeah right i didn't see any cops the there he could he, he, they could do what they want <laughs> but that dude that dude sucks he's playing basketball quote unquote all the time there's well, no see that's important anywhere. though that's important what the kids are like the kids activities are important that it's a basketball and not a football and, a pogo and stick. that the girl is playing on a pogo stick right that's important that's just the movie being smart but yes melvin is very annoying i didn't want him to get eaten but he is very annoying um, he learns his lesson though. I love when, um, what's his name? Burt Gummer gives him the empty gun and he's like, you asshole, this gun is empty. And he's like, we got you running, didn't it? So I love yeah. that moment. Bert, you asshole, there's no bullets in this gun. Got your moving, didn't it? It's an incredibly smart screenplay for sure. But yes, also definitely. The- that, does not, that does not preclude my desire to watch the movie die. 
yeah right uh it's rare that i want to watch a teenager get eaten alive but <laughs> it's you know it happened well so the pogo stick brings us uh smoothly into the what, what are the most indicative uh, of the time and era references uh, in this film reem what you you alluded a little bit just to in terms of general thematic filmmaking uh you know issues that some of them still persist today but are especially noticeable in that era uh in terms of treatment of, of women and maybe you know l- lack of dynamic characters or or uh, pigeonholing them one way or the other well what else uh stood out to you just just watching this that that pegged this movie extremely as having been made in 1990 you know there's actually not a lot that i would say that like this immediately gives me 90s vibes. And I actually had to look up when the movie was made because I wasn't sure if it was the 90s or if it was the 80s, maybe. Like, I couldn't exactly tell, but the pogo stick is definitely like a very 90s thing, but it's also like very on purpose with the vibrations. Um, I think if it were an early 2000s thing, I think it would have been a Razor scooter. That would have been the appropriate toy to have there. Um, But otherwise, I don't think there's anything here that makes me think it's immediately 90s. Like, I and I don't know if the the lack of phones is like a 90s thing, an early 90s thing, or um, the fact that they're so rural and like all of them are living in trailers and it's still it's like 1990 so that not, you know, maybe not everybody has a landline because they don't need one and only the store has one. And maybe that's how it is if you live in a town of 14 people. Um, well, but I can't say for sure. I will say that what the phone the store has is a payphone, and that pegs it into at least some kind of a time period pre two thousand six, yeah. yeah, probably Fred, or so. Fred, Fred Ward kicks uh, uh, some cash over. We're just gonna, gonna gonna leave that that giant can opening. Uh, in, in the, <laughs> you do that as you were speaking, just just. <laughs> we're sponsors All of, of Aha. <laughs> Yeah, beverages should sponsor this podcast. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to try whatever people want to throw at us. I drink something <laughs> different every week, so like yeah, you know, whatever. Whoever wants to sponsor, um, yeah, uh, so, no, but there's a, there's a, there is a pretty good joke where Fred Ward kicks uh, Kevin Bacon like twenty five cents to operate Chang's telephone, <laughs> which is broken, and then he right. never gets the money back. It's yeah. just gone. Well, right. So, so the, the payphone, I, this, the fact that they're like smoking, obviously that's become much less of a thing. You're smoking Marlboro Reds. Uh, and it's, it's your two characters, your two protagonists in like the opening scene. And like, this is like mm. clearly a big part of who they are. And, you know, and they're just, smoking softbacks. Yeah. Which is real aggressive. Um, <laughs> the, uh, there was me. There was this, a real small thing that was really funny. Uh, so I don't know if you remember the the license plate uh, or like they showed they showed the back of of the four by four. Talking about Uzi for you, Uzi for you. But then there's a, <laughs> but then there's a bumper sticker that says "Free Afghanistan," <laughs> <laughs> which in the grand scheme, I mean, you're talking about like really how that how that looks, you know? Uh, it's, it's, like Ram- it's like Rambo Mujahideen <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 I did not see that. We did notice the bumper sticker on the college student's car, Rhonda's car, that yes. was that. And Will paused it and like tried to figure out what it says. And I, at first, I thought it said, I am a college student. And I was like, that's the lamest bumper sticker ever. But then Will realized it says, I is a college student, which is <laughs> at least a joke. 
<laughs> so I was like, it's, what is, I am a college student. That's so weird. It, it, it <laughs> is absolutely adorable. That? Speaking of bumper stickers. Well, it, uh, so that actually reminds me of something that I, I meant to bring up before, which is her, she studies at MSU. What the hell is M? Like, if you're in Nevada, California, like, what would MSU? I've I've thought about. I was thinking about the whole rest of the movie, trying to think about what what this this state university is. Like, like I just it doesn't make any sense. Like, like they they could have just called it Desert State, or they could have just you know like there's. I, I, well, I think at one point you see a sticker that says like Mesa State. Do you? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, pre- not, I'm pretty sure it says Mesa. Uh, State. All right, because I, I so that just, would be Arizona. Well, it could just be whatever. It's the desert, you know, but like, but, but, but it's just, I like, I just, I don't remember seeing anything. And I was like, what, what is this college? Cause usually, usually in, in films and television shows, they'll like be like, you know, what school we're really talking about. You know, if it's like, (laughs) it's USC, they're like, it's Southern California college. And you're like, okay, got it. You know? Um, And it just like, it was like, I don't have no idea who this, where where this girl is supposed to be coming from. So. Right. Will, uh, any other like time and 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 era references uh, or just like filmmaking stuff in terms of like things that wouldn't be done today there's one bad shot one bad composite shot and then there are like a couple of times where you see fred ward like hit the ground and you can sort of see like a trampoline bouncing where they're they're gonna have the big puppet jump up but it's it's really solid it's like really really good and the thing that i appreciated the most i think on this last rewatch was it kind of looks like a john ford western you know like it's shot like a western you've got these wonderful backdrops there's no obvious cgi it's an extraordinarily beautiful film it almost is a western i mean if you if you right. if you like if you are able to like take that you know step back in your brain and think what if like if you made this exact same movie 50 years before and instead of them being like you know uh worm monsters they were indians <laughs> how is it any different than a western you know what i mean like i mean it's yeah it's kind of the same thing. like it comes at they attack the town they, they don't know how to deal with them they're you know and it's like yeah it, it almost is a western in that sense and and, and, and we I watched think- it yeah I was just going to say the fact that it's there's not a lot of CGI dates it in itself. Like if this were made today, it would be all CGI. There would not be a single practical yeah, effect there's, in there. There's, it's 1990. There's no CGI. When you when you when you come into some of the shots, like even the beginning one, when <laughs> when Val's pissing off a cliff, it's just this huge. And I, at first, I thought this might be a matte painting, and it's not. It's just this wonderful camera shot of these mountains. And then it does a hard uh, 180. And you see Val, Kevin Bacon, and it's just this crazy, gorgeous blue sky and just mountains. Like, it's, the, it, it's one of the most gorgeous films I think I've, I've seen in, in, in 20 years. I mean, they, they do they do a really good job of taking advantage of the location and like letting the location just be you know good setting. Like, they, there's no reason mm-hmm. to mess with a lot of that. They just let yeah. that paint right. all the backgrounds for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that I read that they built that town out there, and like the, everything was just like a set in two months. They just I, 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 I was wondering whether there was like three. Buildings. Nope. Yeah, it didn't exist. They just threw it up in the right. desert. 
So I mean, that makes sense. Have everyone yeah. live in trailers. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, so the one thing that, that did stick out to me a little bit, um, and I don't know, I, I think you could argue that they would do this again today, depending on the director. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, maybe they would reverse the roles. Um, for as much agency as they gave our grad student, she was the one always coming up with the good plans and, 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 you know, outsmarting the men for the most part until the, until Kevin Bacon's final sort of heroic, you know, uh, stand. Um, when she gets caught in the barbed wire and he pulls her shoes and then pants off and she's running in her underwear back in, into the store, like, it just felt like an excuse to get our grad student in her underwear on camera. And I, I, I just, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like if that was, if the movie was made today, it would be Kevin Bacon and she would be pulling Kevin Bacon's pants off and he would be running back into the store. In his <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe that's, that's our I mean, I'd, I'd love to see movie. That. It should have been Kevin Bacon nudity and not what was her name? Carter Finn nudity. Um, but I will say that one of my biggest pet peeves and it is in like, every fucking horror movie and I love horror movies but there is always always without fail whether it's like from aliens to fucking deep blue sea there is always like gratuitous pointless female nudity and one of my favorite um one of my favorite moments is I was watching deep blue sea with my mom and the lady like undresses deep blue sea is worthy of you know its own uh, I think I like this movie episode but the the female diver when you watched that with your mom. Like, you were not here. You were not with us. Um, I was spending clearly. the night at my mom's place. <laughs> but we, um, she like takes her suit off or whatever. And she's standing there in her brawn panties. And my mom's like, is she going to seduce the shark? Like, what is, <laughs> what is the end goal? <laughs> and that's one of my favorite moments of like, and that's what I always think of when there's this stupid, like pointless female nudity. And it's in every horror movie. But I will say for Tremor's part, at least, with um with the with Rhonda it's like it's not super obnoxious she's not taking off her top she's not you know there's not any super exposed shots and when um Kevin Bacon is patching up her legs later on from the barbed wire I noticed that her legs aren't shaved which I really liked that as a tiny little detail because why you're a grad student out in the desert why would you bother shaving your legs you're just there to do your research so that was something that I appreciated whereas with Deep Blue Sea, it's like full on, you got a bikini wax to go seduce the shark. Like, what are you doing? You're underwater. Why are you shaving? But yeah, whatever. There's something really nice about it, about it being not sexual. Like the relationship well, it, d- d- develops. Yeah. I mean, they, they use it to service the plot in terms of then he is treating her wounds and, right. you know, I mean, they have a moment like, like they, and then, and you see like, the, then they go get her new clothes and, and, you know, right. there's, there's a, there's, it's definitely treated like respectfully in a way that most usually is absolutely right. just cast aside. Yeah. I, I think it's wonderful. And I do like their, um, their play on the trope of like in every action movie where, when there's sexual tension between two characters and one of them gets injured and the other one has to like patch up their wounds and it's like a very intimate moment, but then you pan over to um, Fred Ward, like leering at the two of them and just like grinning and nodding his head and i love that that's so funny um that's a really good way to play on that trope um so the last thing that that i'll say uh sort of for this section and just in terms of of it being very 1990 was uh i was 
I always, I tend to do with PG 13 movies, I start counting the swear words and I was like, Oh, we are over our limit here. Like this is, there's, <laughs> there's asses, there's multiple shits. There's a couple of fucks. Fuck like, like we're, like we're, we're really like, like piling up here. It turns out I'm going to read. This is from IMDb. Uh, this movie was originally given an R rating by the MPAA, not for violence, but for language. The film included as many as 20 F-bombs. As an appeal, producers removed all utterances of the F-word with the exception of two, which now, of course, the limit is one. Uh, many of the swears were dubbed over with other words, including, can you fly, you sucker? Can you fly, you sucker? And we killed that mother humper. We killed that mother humper! And what, <laughs> what, what the sheep or what the shit? I don't know, when Val is overlooking the dead sheep. So, like, it's <laughs> hilarious. Like, it was actually a much more vulgar movie to begin with, and then they had to sort of patch it up to, like, appease the censors. Uh, Will actually noticed when we were watching today the one <laughs> which went Mother Humper. He's like, that sounds like it was dubbed. It's, and obviously it's, it's motherfucker. Um, okay. But it's good to know that even like, can you fly you sucker was originally, can you fly you fucker? Yeah, That's really which, funny. Which would have been funnier. <laughs> right. <laughs> it really would have been. Yeah, sorry. I'm still, I'm still giggling. Just, just always goes back to my absolute favorite of all time, of course, which Phoebe Bridgers named her first album after, which is the TV dub uh, of, of Walter uh, in the Big Lebowski smashing uh, the, the windshield. It's find a stranger in the Alps and you can you can let your brain figure out. How, how, does, it, how does it feel to <laughs> fuck a stranger in the ass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. This is, this yeah. is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the This is what happens, that's right. This is what happens, Larry. I remember this that This is now. what happens, Larry. <laughs> this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Oddly enough, we just watched that movie with my mom. Yes. <laughs> But it was definitely fuck a stranger in the ass. So yes. they must have gone back and read, or that was the R-rated version or whatever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is like the classic TV. I mean, like that's the normal version. It's just when it's when when they put the Big Lebowski on television. That is that is the the terrible uh, uh, dub that they do in order to <laughs> get work around. Because you can't just cut that scene. <laughs> it goes for like right. two minutes and you know says it over <laughs> and over again. I could not find a gaucho watch this. I tried. But I, I couldn't. There's just, I'm sure maybe somewhere there's some connection, but I went through the director's IMDb's and all all the, the care. I just couldn't, I couldn't find one. So um, you can do, you, you remind your faithful listeners what a gaucho watch is? Not yeah. for me, because I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I, I try it with every film to find a, a connection between the film and my alma mater, the University of California, Santa Barbara. Uh, we find some good ones sometimes, and sometimes. We come up with nothing. So, well, so it, goes. it was filmed in California. It was Close filmed enough. in California, but <laughs> it was filmed well on the other side of California. I didn't really notice the soundtrack outside of the Reba song that came blaring oh. through over the credits. Uh, I, I, I fucking love the soundtrack. It feels very Western, and I say that as somebody who knows nothing about Westerns and has probably never completely sat through a Western, but it feels very Western, yeah, um, at least it, not the, up until the Reba song. Yeah, it seems like they stole a lot of stuff from, like, Ry Cooter, who did a lot of slide guitar. Um, the, the soundtrack's there, and it's probably good that it doesn't stand out. If I'm remembering correctly, the the pole vaulting scene is the one that kind of st stood out to me on this rewatch where it was like so jaunty oh, yeah. and like, oh, this is a funny lighthearted moment now, but it wasn't like 
over the top or anything. I mean, the, the scene speaks for itself, but that was where I noticed kind of a tone change in the music, but I also wasn't thinking about it too hard. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a again, it's got the Rykuder kind of like me, to me, me. All right, well, uh, let's let's talk about whether, well, let's talk about what has happened to each of these characters and this world uh, <laughs> in the intervening 31 years now uh, up to present day. Uh, Reem, do, do you have thoughts on this? Because I have some extremely specific thoughts on this. <laughs> Full disclosure. Okay. There are like nine sequels. Well, that's what we're going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sequels aside, without taking any sequels into consideration or just, yeah, because I know there's like a whole franchise now, but not considering any of that, I would imagine that um, Rhonda and Kevin Bacon go on to have a relationship and she studies the Graboids and... Uh, um, yeah, and that they they get the notoriety and and fame, and they discover a new species, and it makes a really cool article to read in that geo. <laughs> yes, or People Magazine, or both. Right. right. <laughs> now, the second we hit Bixby, we start making some phone calls. I mean, we could make some real money on this thing. We could get in People Magazine. People, hell. National Geographic. Well, I'm I'm really hoping that uh, that Fred Ward uh, finds a way to litigate his way into to getting all the money from that Grubboid arcade machine. Yeah, that's from the sequel, though. You're taking the sequel uh, into consideration. I, I can't. I can't not. <laughs> well, they, I've, I've seen the, all of them. At this the, point. The, you've seen all of them. So there are six sequels and I've a television show. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I'm going to read for our, our audience the descriptions of the final three sequels. Uh, oh, God, okay. <laughs> the most recent three. Uh, so that would be movies four, five, and six. Uh, for four, Bert and Travis battle ass blasters and graboids in South Africa. Uh, for the, the fifth one, the new sequel finds Bert Gummer, who's dying from graboid poisoning, and his son Travis at a remote research station in Canada's Nunavut territory, where they must go up against a new batch of graboids to save Bert's life. And the final one, when a group of hunters genetically modify graboid eggs, they face an all-out war against the larger, terrifying, intelligent graboids and the swiftly multiplying shriekers. Which, <laughs> when you think about how sort of innocent the original film is, and then just like how dark the world has got, like it has followed like the darkness of the world down these down this path, like through all these sequels. To where you're just like Jesus, like what is even happening? <laughs> I love it that Bert, like no one else is coming back for the sequels. Like Bert right. has become the main character, and, and, <laughs> and is and he was the only one who showed up. They did like a thirty year, uh, uh, Tremors like party anniversary thing in the town where it was filmed, and he was the only one who showed up. Oh, <laughs> that makes me sad. Also, Fred, Fred Ward does show up for the second one. And we did watch the second one because I'm a glutton for, for <laughs> punishment. And part, part of the reason I was like, eh, I don't know how to respond to this. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a quick cascade downhill. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. We've, we've talked about like the Fast and the Furious and how it just gets more and more ridiculous. And like like this is like the same thing, but for a horror movie. It's just like, it just, well how do we keep upping the ante every movie every movie it's just got to get you know more and more there, insane 
there does not need to be a Tremors cinematic universe. That is not a thing that needs to exist. <laughs> like yet, the first one, just let it be. And yet at the same time, that's a great way to describe the first movie, which is escalating threat, escalating problem solving. Yeah, the first movie is like, it's, it's, so, it's so good and it's so smart. And I can't imagine that any of the other sequels are anywhere near that level of of perfection yeah (laughs) well we know that they made sequels but in a in a void uh just looking at this uh is this a movie that could get made again today on its own no they'd fucking up with cgi or some shit like the whole reason that this works is because it's physical it's there but i mean they would probably still get greenlit right i mean i feel like they make this movie every year and with just a different monster in a different uh, setting is this a could they should they thing oh no it's it's a could they like w- w- could i feel this, like could it could movie... get made it could yeah. definitely get made but yeah like will said it, it wouldn't be true to its it wouldn't have that charm that 90s charm of like very little cgi very smart very tight very neat but it, I feel like it could definitely get made today. I mean, probably they wouldn't have any sexist jokes in it or fewer sexist jokes in it, but it could definitely get remade. I mean, the screenplay is like so smart and so clever and yeah, it could get made. I just don't think it would have that original. Like, Yeah, I don't that- the direction is so tight and the acting is so exactly what it needs to be. Probably up there with Ghostbusters. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, this is going to be- this is going to be, this is my, this is my monsters, Ghostbusters. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's a classic and it's a gem. Um, I hope they never remake it. I don't want them to remake it. So Hollywood, forget about it. It's, yeah, yeah. fuck you, Hollywood. Don't touch this shit. <laughs> don't, don't touch this. Yeah, it's a gem. Just leave it in its 90s glory. <laughs> so the, the one other famous movie that, that that writer did was Wild Wild West. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yep. I don't know this movie. Oh, <laughs> well, consider yourself lucky. Yeah, <laughs> fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, uh, right. I mean, it, this like I, the format. I think that the thing that makes the format work the most for me is that it's basically a buddy comedy where a monster shows up. Like, but it stays. <laughs> it stays a buddy comedy. Like it is. Like mm-hmm. it's. It's not really a horror movie. Like in the sense that it's not trying to terrify you like like there's suspension suspense and action but like it's not trying to like psychologically damage you the way that like horror movies today try to do that they they try to they try to haunt your like existence for you know the near-term future and like it's (laughs) that is not what that's not the intent it's it's scary but it's a comedy ultimately like when they blow up the, the the worm when they're all on the rocks and there's just like <laughs> there's just splatter. I mean, I laughed out loud. Like there was that was some of the funniest stuff. It was just like the physical comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's almost like someone said, "Hey, we should have fun." All right. So what what else did we miss? What 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 other notes did you guys have? Uh, anything else that didn't fit into our our normal categories? Oh, I remembered what I was going to say. Sorry. <laughs> um that the film doesn't try to traumatize you, but like the concept of um, something under the ground that you can't see is like, it's so it's so smart and it could be so scary if they wanted it to go in that direction, clearly they didn't. And I'm glad that they didn't because it's a genuinely funny movie and it's comedy is like the first thing that ages um, in a movie, but this really holds up and it's really funny. But if they wanted to, if somebody else wanted to like change up the idea a little bit, like 
there is so much with, um, you know, you're walking in the desert and you're afraid a snake or a scorpion is going to get you, but instead it's like something completely under the ground that you can't even see or some, or even the idea of like a rural creature that we just don't even know about yet that like predates dinosaurs. There's a lot there. There's a lot there that could be really, really scary. Um, but I'm, I mean, I'm glad that they don't go with that, but there is scary, there's stuff, scary stuff to explore there. So hopefully Hollywood makes more, you know, desert horror movies. Cause there's a lot of spookiness there, but Will is shaking his head. Maybe not Hollywood, but someone smart in Hollywood who can have the connections to get it made. I don't want like. It's just, it's just, just going to be The Rock as Scorpion King part two. Or it's going to be a Marvel, Marvel goes to the desert or some other stupid shit, which I think actually they already did. I don't even want to talk about it. Well, the, 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 the last like <laughs> desert movie that I saw was Palm Springs, which is just like a different kind of monster in the desert. This is like bizarre time cave, you know, like it was, uh, uh, arguably also a comedy that has like some really dark terrifying themes running through it uh just in a, a much it doesn't really have a villain in quite the same way but you know yeah i haven't watched that yet but i heard good things about it oh, yeah. so. that's a good one yeah there was i mean it was there was good physical comedy that that i think kept it light that kept that kept it from taking itself too seriously that burping yes. out the generator like there's just like you know there there were things that were that were just well done um I was, I was trying to think if there were, if there were anything else sort of along that line. Um, but, but yeah, there are, there are ongoing gags, e- even though the monster is obviously like terrifying and deadly, like they still find comedy in the monster, which, which I appreciated. Yeah. Um, Will, any, anything else on your list to, to clean up? Anything else in your notes? I think it's, it's, it's an extraordinarily smart screenplay, extraordinarily smart uh, script at uh, the, a threat is presented seriously and the reactions may or may not be comedic, but it is a very funny movie. And please, for God's sake, stop making sequels to this. Just, <laughs> just, just leave it alone. It's, well, it's, let, let the actor for Burt Gummer cash his checks. <laughs> let him make his money. <laughs> he the, deserves the, it. The dad from Family Ties has had his time. <laughs> he doesn't need any more Bert Gummer doesn't need any more checks it's a great movie it's a great movie it should never ever 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 be remade Tremors is a is a is close to a perfect movie just leave it alone well that I think somewhat answers uh the all-important final question but it's not up to you Will uh it is up to Reem <laughs> we must answer that is the purpose of the podcast do you still like this movie I do still like this movie. I love this movie. Um, it's not it's not perfect. There's some dated comedy in there, but it's really, really good. It holds up. It's cute. It combines two of my favorite genres, horror and comedy. And yeah, it's just fun. Geology and monsters and Kevin Bacon and what's not to love in this movie. <laughs> it's a fun time. So yes, I, I still love this movie. I mean, I'm tempted to just leave it at that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if we need our opinions. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you wanted to promote anything, Reem. Do you want to promote anything? Um, I guess if anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, it's at Reem underscore Nadim, where I tweet once every four blue moons about work-related stuff and things that directly impact me and interest only me. <laughs> so feel free to follow me there. That's it. All right. Definitely make sure that you're following us on Twitter and on Instagram at like this movie. 
You can use the hashtag ITILTM, that's hashtag ITILTM, to jump into the conversation and ask us any questions. Keep an eye out for our polls we're running each week uh, with every episode uh, tied into the film in one way or another. And we will see you back here next week. Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021. Stupid son, bitch. Knocked itself cold. Cold my ass. He's dead. We killed him.